This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Nick Mayhew overcame a physical limitation to play for Radford Men's Soccer and the Men's U.S. Paralympic National Team, end quote. That is the message Nick has pinned to his Twitter profile. It's a tweet that was sent out by the official NCAA account on Twitter in October 2017. And in 2019, Nick represented the United States at the IFCPF World Cup. But how did Nick go from playing college soccer to playing for the men's Paralympic national team? It's a fascinating and frustrating story. In this episode, Nick and I discuss the hours and hours he spent practicing with his brother outside of the traditional team training environment. We also talked about how he felt the day the doctors finally confirmed what he knew all along. And finally, he tells people why it's okay to not be okay. After I stopped recording with Nick, we spent another 30 minutes talking about the USPNT and how people just don't even know that it exists or what it is. So to, I guess, set the stage for everything, the US Paralympic National Team is the program which provides opportunities for players who have cerebral palsy or are stroke survivors or have had a TBI and gives them the opportunity to continue playing competitive soccer. So at the very least, I hope that this episode is informative and I hope that this episode is received with open arms from coaches around the country, around the world, and that coaches and parents and players learn and understand that there are so many options out there, even when you think that there aren't. You can learn more about the IFCPF and the U.S. Paralympic National Team by following them on Twitter. You can connect with Nick by following him on Twitter or following him on Instagram. I've uh, included links to everything in the write-up of this podcast, which is available on 343. So I highly recommend going to check that out. Uh, Nick is also, as you'll hear him say, he's um, doing speaking engagements now and traveling and and things like that. So please feel free to reach out to Nick and and he'd be happy to answer or discuss anything with you. Uh, If you enjoy this episode of the podcast or any of the episodes of this podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave a rating or review wherever you are listening. And if you are an ambitious coach that is looking for a powerful education program from proven practitioners, you need to check out the 343 Premium Coaching Membership. It's an online coaching program designed to reduce your trial and error time and help you coach possession-based soccer. David Copen-Smith, the founder of Beast Mode Soccer, is in his sixth year as a 343 member. And he said, and I quote, honestly, it's worth 10 times the yearly membership. You're not investing in the drills. You're investing in your education, a proven methodology, and a phenomenal community of progressive coaches. End quote. The 343 Premium Membership gives you 24-7 online access to video lessons, ebooks, and audio recordings. Together, these tools make it easy for you to learn and implement the 343 philosophy and methodology with your own teams. You can learn more about the benefits of the Premium Coaching Membership Program, or you can sign up and start learning today by visiting 343coaching.com. So once again, you can learn all about the program by visiting 343coaching.com. All right, uh, that's it for the intro. 
I hope that you enjoy my conversation with U.S. Paralympic national team member Nick Mayhew. Hey, Nick, how's it going? It's going well. How are you, John? Doing good, man. Doing really good. Excited to uh, excited to finally talk to you, man. This is this is going to be a good one. Yeah, we've been playing tag for a little bit, huh? Yep. Yep. Um let's just uh let's let's get right into it. I want you to uh I want you to tell people who you are. I I obviously uh want you to tell everybody where you're at at the moment and then uh and then we'll dig into uh we'll dig into just who who you are and how you got to this place where where you're at now? Sounds good. Well, first off, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, I actually I remember listening to the to the interview you did with Seth, and uh, I mean he's uh, he's one of my biggest role models, not only on the team but um, just that, as a as a friend. And so listening to that, I was excited um, excited to do this. But my name is Nick Mayhew. Um, I play for the U.S. Paralympic National Soccer Team. Um, we are currently here in. Sevilla, Spain, playing in the IFCPF World Cup, um, and it's one, it's our most important year um, in recent years. We are currently ranked uh, number four in the world, um, and uh, have had pretty much, I would say, a dream start to the tournament. Um, the energy is really good. Um, we're all really coming off of a big statement win versus Finland, thirteen uh, nothing, and. Uh, uh, we're all feeling pretty good. Did anybody give you uh did anybody give you guys any any crap for scoring thirteen goals? <laughs> I wouldn't say I wouldn't say give us crap for it, but uh um we we mostly just got compared to uh the women's team. Um, yeah. obviously their big huge statement win versus Thailand with thirteen and um uh it was pretty cool me having four or five goals, uh the head Carlos Cordero actually tweeted at me and uh um, and then Alex Morgan quote tweeted it and, and, uh, tweeted at me. So that was pretty cool. My phone actually settled down a little bit. Um, <laughs> this the last couple hours, it was kind of broken. Uh, she has like some, like 4,000, 4 million followers. So Oof. my phone was, was going crazy with notifications and, and stuff like that. And, uh, so I can understand why, why athletes to that caliber. Um, have two phones or silent their social media. I completely understand <laughs> to a certain degree. That's funny. Yeah, when I saw the when I saw yeah, the final score was was thirteen, I was like, oh, here come the comparisons. They're gonna they're gonna do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, though, that was, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. It was it was a, it was it came up in conversation on the sideline. I, I played the first half and, and came out and um, we stuck to our game plan and knew we weren't gonna settle. We had to give it. We were in for. Um, ten goals because Ireland, um, Ireland beat them ten nothing, and we needed to we needed those ten goals for goal differential, and uh, um, and so we knew we, we needed to stick to the game plan. The job wasn't done uh, in the first half, and and uh, the team pulled it through, and we're in a good spot going in tomorrow with our final our final game versus Ireland. That's rad, man. Um, I want to I want to back up a little bit and maybe get an explanation from you about. Um, what the uh, U.S. Paralympic national team or program is, and and how you found yourself in the position of of being on this on this team that's now at, at the World Cup representing the country. 
Awesome. Um, well, the U.S. Paralympic national team is a uh, is a collection of um, elite level athletes, um, soccer players, and um, who grew up playing the game um, or or got into it after after their injury or something. Um, there's three uh, qualifications I would say um, to make the team, and it's TBI, traumatic brain injury, uh, is the first one, um, a stroke, and uh, people who have cerebral palsy. Um, and those are the three qualifications for you to be eligible to play on the team. And then you go through, um, a round of tryouts. And, and if you make it, um, to a international tournament, you'll be classified by national and international classifiers to then be able to say you made a team and, and compete at the international level, um, which I've been blessed enough to do, um, per se. Um, we've all, I mean, the, the rest of the, the rest of the team are just elite level athletes. Um, these guys are, um, it's crazy to think about them as, and oftentimes we're technically um, disabled, and that's kind of get thrown get thrown around. I mean, I've had plenty of people come to me and, and ask me if it's the Special Olympics, if it's different than any any other national team, and what people don't realize is it's it's its own world, and um, that's how I kind of found out about the team. Is, um, I, I found out through Instagram. I mean, the the lack of media coverage and the lack of an outlet a voice that um this team has um is is crazy to me um because we're considered a uh a senior national team under under the federation and of u.s soccer and it's crazy to see that um how many people don't even understand that the, that the paralympic world even exists um and that's kind of how I found out through instagram uh, a couple of years ago in 2017 u.s soccer reposted a um, post from us uh, pnt and it was just a tryout picture and i i remember looking at it and saw the classifications of traumatic brain injury stroke and cerebral palsy and i had a stroke when i was when i was young um in utero and under medical definition i have cerebral palsy um uh and i never really growing up i was just so active and and one of those athletes that never really considered myself i always knew that something was wrong, but I never considered myself technically disabled or anything like that. So I didn't think twice about it. And I um, sent a screenshot to the Instagram post, sent it over to my brother and I said, Hey, do you think I would qualify? I'm not even thinking anything of it. And he messaged me back and said, I mean, you might, why not just give it a shot? There's no harm in trying. And so I um, commented on the post and they actually direct messaged me and um, gave me the contact information and that uh, if I had any questions and, the next day, Coach Stuart Sharp uh, reached out to me, gave me a phone call, and we spoke for about an hour, hour and a half, and um, gave me the full rundown on the team, um, what they're about, the qualifications, and, and the entire process of it all. And I kind of gave him a background of my medical um, history, um, where I played, and, and all that. And um, the next couple of weeks, he flew me out uh, to Chicago for my first camp, and then a week and a half after that, I was on a plane to Chile to represent my country for the first time um, in June of 2017. And um, I've been blessed enough to be a part of the team to this day um, in TV Spain. And it's just been a, it's been a crazy roller coaster ride for sure. Seems like that was like a very accelerated path, like from, you know, not being in the program to then uh, representing your country. It seems like that happened all pretty quick, but 
you obviously had to have had like some type of uh, of a soccer background. You kind of mentioned that you were very active as a kid and and whatnot. What what was your background or what is your background in in soccer um, and, and what what kind of yeah. gave you like the the idea like hey yeah I can, yeah I can I can make it I can play for my country. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I grew I always grew up. My older brother um, Thomas um, grew. Uh, I grew up uh, with him, and he always played soccer. So I always wanted to be like him. He's probably one of my biggest role models. And so I, ever since I can remember, ever since I started walking, I was playing soccer. Uh, and I actually tour, um, grew up playing with travel teams um, all the way to NTSL, like division, whatever the divisions were back then. They're completely different now and brittle with academies and, and everything. It's completely different now. Um, I played uh, with VSA, which was a, a local um, team travel team here and then I played for the Virginia State team of OD- in ODP um, made it all the way to the regional tryouts there um, which was amazing and then uh, I played with the DC United Academy for two years 2009 2010 I was with them um, and I played in uh, I played all throughout high school and then I went to Radford University down in uh, Southern Virginia right next to Virginia Tech and played there for uh, four years uh, and just recently graduated in uh, December of 2018, and um, I found the I found the team, the national team, in in 2017. So I was going back and forth with the national team um, and playing and coming to preseason with with uh, Bradford, and and then I would fly out and play an international tournament and fly back and continue my collegiate season. Um, so it was, a, it was a pretty demanding final two years with in, in college for sure, but. Um, I mean, it's been, I've been blessed to be in the position that I am to be able to represent my country and, and also come back and play at the highest level that I can in Division One soccer. And um, hopefully, hopefully in the future, I can complete my goal of going pro. That's amazing, man. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know the right way to say this, but it, it almost seems like you're a cheat code. Like you're like you're this badass player that's you know dropping dropping bombs on other teams and and here you are coming like straight out of like a out of like D one D one college soccer like it, it it seems pretty amazing but it it also makes me wonder how many other players are out there that don't know that this exists and don't know that that this other option or this this level of play is. Exactly. Uh, is out there so it's it's crazy to me to think that and when you started mentioning the instagram post and things like that i remember seeing seth retweet um some stuff from the the pnt account a couple years ago asking for just like or saying that you guys are having open tryouts and it's to me i was thinking like how is this you know national level program and just having open tryouts like hey guys like just come hang out exactly and let's see what's happening but it's it's li- there's literally exactly. like that that low of attention on this program that that's you know kind of what it resorted to um mm-hmm. i'm just curious to kind of get your reaction to that or, or what what goes through your head when you hear me say something like that I mean, it's it's the same reaction every time. And the, it's it's funny because Seth and I, um, in particular, have had that exact conversation probably once a week every time we see each other at at a camp or or an international event. Um, and, and, and it blows my mind, to be honest, to to think that we're considered a senior national team. And um, there's just that I I, I mean, I didn't find the team till I was 21. Uh, I lived. 21 years without even knowing if this was even a possibility. And my poor parents, after I found out about the team, 
they they were felt disappointed and angered at themselves and were angry at themselves because they didn't even know and they're like, well, if we knew, maybe we could have gotten you in it earlier and you could have had a had a longer career with them and all and went down that road. And I mean, it's not their fault. It's not it's not necessarily Coach Stewart's fault by any means um, or, or anybody. It's it's just a, uh, I would mainly say either the federations or just kind of the media or just what whoever holds the power to be able to expose it to to the public. Because um, I mean, the Paralympics and just in general, what I was saying of, of considering these these athletes as disabled, I, w- I wouldn't even consider them that. I mean, they're, I would technically say we as a, as a team are just uh, impaired. Um, I mean, we're just a bunch of athletes that compete at an elite level. And, and if you were to, you were to walk into a room with, with, um, with this team, you would, you would hardly recognize that anyone was technically disabled. Um, it's to the untrained eye. Everyone seems normal, seems, able-bodied per se and and um it's crazy and when you put these guys on the field and, and it's like their escape they everyone plays to, to their ability and um and like i said they're just they're just elite athletes and every time i step on the field with my teammates or or other countries that are able to do the same thing it blows my mind um how this isn't more of a of a popular sport or or more popular in, in the public eye and I don't really know who whoever's at fault for it but it, it answer your question it blows my mind every time I think about it I mean I remember when I was at Radford and I just found out about the team I was playing um I can't remember what college we were playing but um my my and me specifically my uh my cerebral palsy isn't too as a um it's more of a milder um case than than most um so it's not as noticeable to the untrained medical eye and I was playing against um, somebody who I could tell from having um, experience with the team and, and having teammates who have uh, cerebral palsy. Um, I was playing against someone who was a winger and he was super fast, super technical, um, playing at a D1 level. It was super, super good. And after the game, I went up to him and I was like, hey, man, um, I, I, I can tell that you have cerebral palsy. Do you mind if so I ask you something? And, he kind of looked at me and, and looked at me kind of weird and looked at me like I, I came at him the wrong, wrong way. And by no means, I mean to disrespect him. And he was like, yeah, what's up? And I was like, hey, like I play for the U.S. Paralympic national team. Um, I've been a member on their team for a little bit. And we would love to, I'd love to reach out and have you connect with our head coach and, and go from there. You would be a, a crazy asset to our team. And he just looked at me and was like, I'm not disabled. Um and, and he did admit that to me that he had cerebral palsy, but he didn't want to be considered that. And um, he didn't want to take that hit to, I guess, his ego or to whatever. And he just kind of shrugged me off and was like, I was like, no, I'm okay. Thank you. Uh, and he just kind of shook me off. So it's crazy to think about how many, how many athletes there are out there that, that don't know about the team and that are capable of playing for this team. Um, and if we had the correct exposure or, or the amount of media um, coverage that the women's team or the men's team does, especially about how much of a touchy subject all that is right now, um, it'd be a, it'd be a completely different world. And as you're as you're talking and telling that story, it makes me wonder as a coach, like if I've ever if I've ever coached a player that has something that qualifies them for. Um, you know the the PNT program, or if I've ever coached against a player that that could qualify for that, because it's not something I think about. You know, consciously as a as a coach, um, you know, youth soccer coach. I coached high school soccer for many years, boys and girls, and, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just something that I, I like like you, I think, or like many of the people probably in the program, just didn't know existed. 
And, and now thinking mm-hmm. back to all the kids that I've coached, like, Oh, like, you know, I, I may have very well coached multiple players that, that may have qualified and, mm-hmm. um, ha- had no idea or coached against, you know, sure, certainly probably coached against, uh, multiple players that, that probably qualified. So it's just, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely uh, a big reason why I wanted to bring you on the show as a guest to just get this information out there to more people. So that way people are just even mm-hmm. just aware of it. Um, you know, this, this podcast reaches thousands of people. So hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully somebody's going to take this information and do something good with it. Um, but yeah, even just absolutely. bringing aware, even just bringing awareness to the program and, and, you know, having people know that you guys are in the middle of a world cup and that you, that you guys just smashed somebody 13 zero. Like, I think that's badass. Uh, you guys knocked off a, a higher ranked team than, than yourselves the other day, which I think again is badass. So, um, yeah. Uh, I mean, and I can really understand where a lot of, a lot of younger guys or younger athletes, uh, come from. I mean, I remember growing up and I was, I could always tell from a very young age that there was something necessarily different than my uh, on my left side than, than my right i can tell that there was something wrong but i never considered myself as that when i didn't want to see myself as that because i remember growing up and being so young and talking to my mom and my brother and my teachers and saying hey like i can't move my left my left hand like i can my right and i can't move my left foot as well as i can my right and um and they kind of just all shrugged me off and, and said no you're like it's just your your weaker side, you're, you're just right-handed, you're right-footed, you'll, you'll grow into it. It's okay. It's okay. Um, and, and just kept telling me no, no, no. And I remember one day it just hit me and I had heard no one more time. I was going to lose my mind. So I remember just putting my head down and not saying a word about it to, to my doctors, to my teachers, my coaches. Um, and it got to the point where I remember, uh, growing up and having training and my coach would always say, um, all right, we're going to play this drill. We're going to play this possession. Um, Nick, you have um, you have two touches. You can only use your left foot. Everyone else has unlimited touches. You can use both your feet. Nick, if you use your right foot, you're going to be running um, around the field for the rest of practice. And there were practices that I would go home crying because I wouldn't be able to use my left foot because I was unaware of um, I was unaware of it all, and I, I physically wasn't able to use my left foot, and my coaches weren't aware. Um, and didn't know about it, and I didn't want to admit that to them because I just wanted to use it as fuel to, to make my left foot better. And I remember um, sitting in my mom's car crying on the way home, and then I would get home, and me and my brother would be outside um, after practice, and we would set up cones in the street and just do um, the dribbling drills with just my left foot till the till the sun went down and until I got tired, until I went inside crying because I physically couldn't do it and just kind of taught myself and kind of tried to cope with it and just get my left foot is as fluid as possible. And, um, and growing up and going through the ODP Academy and the DC United Academy and being in such a elite environment with, with those players who some, a lot of them are playing professionally now, um, over here in the States and overseas. Um, it, it was really stressful and I was scared to admit that, uh, that I was, um, technically disabled and I didn't want to. So I can, com- can completely understand why some athletes kind of keep it a secret. And it wasn't until my junior year of college that I admitted it to my coaches, um, to my teammates. And I remember when uh, the first article came out um, that kind of admitted everything. Um, I did a video with the NCAA in the Big South Conference, and my teammates uh, found out about it. My coaches found out about it, and I received a bunch of messages supporting me and a bunch of messages kind of criticizing me and telling me that there was nothing wrong with me and 
um, asking and, and it was just a, it was a mixed, it was a mixed review, but it's just crazy to think back about how stubborn and ignorant and kind of hard-headed I was as a child. So I can completely understand where those athletes come from to a certain extent. When did you find out like, uh, officially like di- diagnosed by a doctor or, um, yeah. When, when, when did, when did you actually know that, that you had CP? And, and, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, dude, that's, that's a, that's a good question. It's kind of a two piece, uh, a two piece answer. Cause my mom had a, had a bunch of, um, complications with me during, um, her pregnancy. And, um, I actually, um, I actually was had a bunch of a bunch of complications um, during my birth and and all that. So she, uh, my poor mom and my family had to go through all those things and uh, having the doctor give them the chances that I might not survive the pregnancy or the the birth and all those things. And um, they actually I um, had to have a complete blood transfusion um, when I was when I was an infant. And they think either during that time or um, or in utero is when I had the stroke and. Um, so they knew they were aware of the complications that my mom had, but they didn't see anything significant to their um, knowledge um, to necessarily do anything about it or, or, or kind of have any external surgeries or put me in therapy for anything. And um, because I was so active as I got, I still at such a young age, I was just so super active. And um, it was actually until my freshman year of high school when I was on the DC United Academy, um, when I had a grand mal seizure, um, I woke up one morning to go to school, and I remember um, I remember having my grand mal seizure. They completely threw both sides of my tongue, and um, I remember waking up in the ambulance and having dried blood all down um, my neck and on my shirt, and um, freaking out. And I had honestly convinced myself that in that moment I was I, I thought I had died. I didn't know I was just a, I was a little kid. I was. 13, 14 at the time, and um, it was the scariest moment of my life, and my mom had to, had to unfortunately watch me have that seizure, and I can't imagine what she went through um, in that time, and then we went to, we got to the hospital, and they ran a bunch of tests and scans, and found uh, there's a, uh, like a golf ball-sized black spot, um, it looks like a, just a black little circle um, on my brain, and it's just where I had a stroke, and I guess the um, just the nerve endings and all the motor function, um, all the sensory and, and all that stuff just kind of isn't there. It didn't develop. And, and it kind of, I remember sitting in my neurologist's office um, the next couple of days and we were looking at my MRI and I had my mom on my right and my dad uh, on my left. And she showed us my MRI and she said, you see this, this little, or this, this big black spot. That's, that's what, um, that's from a stroke Nick had in utero. Um, Nick has, um, Nick has, uh, cerebral palsy and um and, and it was kind of a, a relief because all the dots started to connect um and i remember looking at my mom and looking at my uh looking at my dad and being like you gotta believe me now um <laughs> it was kind of it, it was kind of funny but and then and then that was just the um the absolute worst day of my life though because i remember the next word that of my neurologist mouth were that i was never going to be able to play soccer again um because she wasn't sure that of uh, how much damage my brain was under because of the extent of my seizure and didn't know um, if I was going to continue to have seizures or if it could lead to another stroke if I got hit in the head. And, and growing up, I played like a, I was just a reckless, um, reckless forward and, and winger. I put my head in situations that you shouldn't put your head in. And uh, I definitely have had my fair share of concussions. And so 
I kind of test catered my my play to that. But I remember the next five or six months after after my uh, my neurologist told me that I was sidelined, couldn't play soccer, and they actually wanted me to wear a helmet to play if I did play. And um, I remember on my my first practice back with the, with the DC United Academy. We had completely gotten a new staff, a new coach, new assistant coach, everything. And uh, um, one of the older guys took over and pulled me aside on my first practice back and told me that I was that he was going to cut me, that this was going to be my last practice there. And uh, uh, and I understand that it was a business, but it kind of we just had my had my life just kind of completely taken away from me at that point. Soccer was my entire life, and I had kind of convinced myself that I was going to going to go to a little high D one school and and go pro and do all these things and kind of took that all away from me and then um I was kind of busting my butt to try to find my way back to, to going and playing D one. That was pretty crazy. Yeah, man, that's a that's a roller coaster ride for sure. Um one one thing I wanted to ask you about was the time you spent with your older brother and how much of an influence he was on how you developed as a soccer player. And obviously you mentioned that you guys spent a lot of time working on on your left foot, your weaker foot, and and you it sounds like you invested quite a quite a you know significant amount of hours trying to develop what ultimately, you know, couldn't be developed or or I don't know the right way to say that, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but um no need to apologize. <laughs> uh, but how how big of an impact did that training away from the the traditional training environment, the team training environment, have on on your overall development as a soccer player, as as a person, your mentality to kind of just push through and, and persevere? Um, how, how big of uh, of uh, of an influence was your brother? I mean, he, it's not that he was an influence. I mean, he's just he's the biggest influence in my life. To, Till this day, I mean, I talk to him um, every single day, and he's just kind of my my biggest motivator, my biggest fan. And um, uh, ever since the day that I, I kind of looked at him and I was like, "Hey, I want to do this," and and he was still playing soccer, and I remember going to every single one of his games and watching him play. Back then, when he was in high school, even the little gap from when he graduated to when I graduated, um, the academy team wasn't what it was. And so he, the high school games, I mean, had I remember watching him play. Um, he, I remember watching him play with CJ Zapong, um, that went to JMU and he plays in MLS now. Um, but they used to, their high school games were, were like the thing to do for all, for the kids my age and watching all our guys play. And I'm, I mean, he was one of the, one of the best players I've ever seen play. Um, I might be a little biased, but it's true. Um, and he didn't really have the same, the same, uh, um, outlets I, I had or, or kind of help from, from somebody else or a coach to kind of push him in the direction of going um, and playing in college and, and trying to go pro. But I mean, he just kind of pushed me and, and understood that I wanted to do it. And if I wanted to do it, then he wanted to help me do it correctly and, um, and kind of do the things that he um, didn't have um, growing up, I guess. And uh, he kind of took me under his wing. And like I said, I mean, every single day after, after a training session or just in our free time, he would, um, we would go out and just, do drills and with just my left foot or um, just kind of the combination thing, things that he would come up with on the whim. And um, you know, I remember when I got to college um, after every single day of, of practice, he would, uh, he would, uh, uh, I would stay after with my assistant coaches and just practice whipping in balls with my left foot and, and shooting with my left foot and just trying to get it. Cause at that time I hadn't admitted it and um, any of it to any of them. And I remember texting him after and I was so frustrated because I wasn't getting the playing time I, I wanted or 
I didn't kind of understand it all. And he was just always the one to kind of calm me down and reassure me and just kind of be that, be that guy to, um, to keep me going and kind of keep me humble, um, up until, up until this day. Uh, so, I mean, I can't thank him enough and I owe him the world, man. It's crazy. It's awesome, dude. Um, Real quick, I want to I want to kind of get an idea of uh, you know the the general setup of the PNT program and and what qualifying is like. Obviously, what the World Cup is like that you're going through right now, and and kind of what's mm-hmm. what's on the horizon for you as we're speaking. You guys are two games into the group stage, so kind of like what the environment mm-hmm. of the team is like, what the mentality with the team is like right now, and what what the next steps are for you guys because this should get released next week. So you guys will probably be um yeah obviously through the the group stage and into the knockout rounds by then so maybe just like a, a, a um, foresight into that yeah absolutely um i'll bite my tongue a little bit on that <laughs> we're gonna be a week from now, but <laughs> um but yeah so we we play ireland tomorrow they uh they uh lost to iran yesterday and um so we need to we need to win tomorrow um there's a couple little couple other outcomes that could come and, and we could still go through but we need to win tomorrow um that's our main focus is to win tomorrow top of the group and um either face brazil or england um in the quarters and then um if we advance to the quarters we then qualify for the top eight tournament um which is next summer in italy i think um and that's just kind of a, a mini tournament i i guess um we had some uh something similar um, in Argentina back in 2017, the world championships with a, a fewer teams, but, um, we're looking to win against Ireland tomorrow. Um, and then, and then play either England or Brazil, I think, and then, um, go on and play Ukraine or Russia, um, probably in the, in the semis and then, um, head to the finals and then take home the gold. It's awesome, dude. Um, every, every interview that I, that I've done for the last, almost two years I've asked the same question to end the, to end the interview. And so I'm really curious to, to get your take on, on this question. But the question is what do people need to know? And everybody answers that question differently based on the circumstances that they're, that they're in, whether they're a youth soccer coach, they're in women's soccer, um, whether they're a professional player. Uh, so you're, you're in a pretty mm-hmm. unique situation. So what do, what do people Absolutely. that are listening to this, what, what do they need to know? Uh, I mean, I love that question. Um, something I've gotten into recently, um, being in the position I am, um, and being, being honored to, to have the platform that I've, I've been given. Um, I kind of want to, uh, I've, I've recently reached out and, and started public speaking. And the biggest thing, um, that I've done is, is went to a couple of elementary schools and middle schools and talking to a lot of students. Um, and I always have three points. And the biggest one that always sticks with, sticks with me is that it's okay to not be okay, um, regardless of how old you are, um, whether you're um, a third grader and, and, and uh, you're having some trouble or you're someone that's listening to this podcast, it's okay to not be okay. Um, I remember after my gr- uh, I had my grandma's seizure and I thought he, um, I lost my entire life and I was told I would never play soccer again. And I'm in the position I am now to be representing my um, my country on the, on the world stage, which which is a, a mind blowing experience experience for me, and um, I was definitely at a point in my life where I thought it was all going to be over, and I was never going to 
amount to anything and I wasn't in a good headspace and um and to be able to look at where I am now and look back at myself and kind of if I could tell myself anything it would be that it's okay to not be okay nobody's perfect you're gonna have some bad days you're gonna have some rough times but it always gets better um and no matter what it's it's good to talk about it and, and it's good to to know that it's okay to not be okay I love that answer, dude. That's that's a very unique answer. Nobody's ever taken taken it and and answered it like that. And I think it's a perfect uh, I think it's a perfect answer, dude. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Where where can people learn more about the USPNT program? And where can people learn more about you and connect with you and 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 ask you follow up questions if they want to reach out to you? Oh, absolutely. Um, every, anyone can find out information about the U.S. Paralympic National Soccer Team on um, Facebook. We have a Facebook page, which I think is the U.S. Terrace 7 Aside. They just changed the name uh, conveniently to not match anything else. Um, <laughs> the, we are U.S. Soccer underscore PNT, I think, on Twitter. And I know for a fact we are that on Instagram. Um, we try to keep that as updated as possible. Um, and... Um, I mean, just a quick Google search of, of Paralympics, um, the IFCPF, which um, is the uh, Cerebral Palsy Football Federation that we play under um, instead of FIFA. Um, and you can just kind of find out the classification um, process and kind of learn into it more about um, CP soccer, which is which is um, uh, its own world, and it's, it's crazy. Um, and me personally, um, my social media handles are at Nick Mayhew, um, just my name, um, and that's on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, I, I'm on Facebook too. So if you ever want to reach out to um, you or any of anyone listening, um, reach out and, and have a conversation with me. I'm always open and I always reply to anyone. Um, and I really appreciate you having me on here, man. This is awesome. Uh, I love I love doing stuff like this. Oh man, I appreciate your time, and and I appreciate you actually setting aside time during you know the one of the biggest tournaments that you're that you've ever played in, in your entire life, uh, and then you, here you are you know making making time for thirty minutes phone call with me. I really appreciate that, dude. Thank you very much, man. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. I also want to leave you with one note from one of our members of the 343 coaching education program. His name is Thomas, and he's been a member for quite a while. And this is what he had to say. If you want to play insanely good with your team and start to understand the possession and positional game, this will give you a head start. I have tried the material on three ordinary teams, and after a year, they totally dominate the local teams. After two years, they are among the best in the region. The program 343 offers is not a complicated curriculum. It's actually simpler than you might think. But instead of more, you have to go deep in every detail. Thomas, thank you so much for that beautiful review, and I hope that everybody else finds that valuable. If you want more information about the 343 Coaching Education Program, the program that helps support and fund this podcast, you can visit 343coaching.com. All right, we'll catch you guys next time here on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening.